Welcome to the Impact Hour on Money 105.5, where you live with passion, make a difference, and come alive. This show is about you, your life, your impact, and your legacy. Now your hosts, John and Rena. Welcome to the Impact Hour. I'm John. Hi, and I'm Rena. Awesome. And today we're going to talk about life lessons from Orville Dam. Uh, I don't know, most of you probably have heard, but just in case. Uh, so Orville Dam, which is up north of Marysville, was filling up from all the storms. And uh, they had not yet up until recently tested the emergency uh, spillway that they had. And uh, with the rains being what they were, the level of lake getting worse up where it was, you know, they were starting to use the spillway for the first time and lots of water was going over. And uh, it eroded some of the spillway and there were some issues with the main spillway as well. So they had the main spillway and the emergency one. And uh, so they ended up calling an evacuation of... Uh, there was concern that it was, the spillway was going to give out entirely and release an uncontrolled amount of water. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so in Yuba City, Marysville, down all the way into Wheatland, there was a mandatory evacuation. And Orville too. And Orville too. There was a lot, of, a lot over like 180,000 people evacuated yes. on Sunday. It was yes. huge. Yep. And what we like to do is we like to take ordinary life events and see what we can learn from it. And so that's what we are going to do here today. Today we're looking at life lessons from Oroville Dam. It'll be a really interesting show. Yes, and we are not going to get political. That's not where we're going today. We're talking about what we can learn about this for to use in our personal life. So one of the things that we've noticed is that an evacuation forces priorities. So Sunday night, I get this phone call. And my sister says, hey. I said, hey. <laughs> and she said, we're being evacuated. I'm like, what? <laughs> we're being evacuated. I'm like, from what? Orville Dam. And like, Wow, it's not even raining. Um, but in that moment, we, we had to make a choice. And it was a choice we were happy to make, but uh, she was asking for our help to help them get evacuated out of their place. And so we rearranged a lot of the plans we had that evening and we went up. And uh, Well, you know what, it's interesting, actually, now that you bring it up, because we're talking about priorities <clears throat> here, one of the first life lessons and how a crisis really forces us to evaluate our priorities. So we definitely wanted to step in and help uh, your sister and her husband in need. And we, we had to look at it. And do we both go up there? Because what they needed was drivers. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a driver. Right. You, know, you don't need a legally blind person trying to get a car out in an evacuation. <laughs> and I considered going and realized because I could help pack stuff I can do other things and I realized that uh, given that you could be going into a potentially dangerous situation it would be actually best for me to stay home with our kids so they would at least have one parent yeah. that was a tough decision to be you know that honest mm. and we wanted to be there for your sister yes. so that was the best choice that we could make in that moment yes yeah it was for you to go on up and help with the evacuation yes and it forced my sister to reevaluate priorities in the moment as well. Like what in their house was so important that she wanted to prioritize that. And she prioritized her pets 
and their vehicles and some other items. They figured if they were at least upstairs, they wouldn't get water damaged. They moved some stuff upstairs to yes. to avoid some water damage if necessary. Yes. I don't know. We've been evacuated too, where you know, we had to choose. You know, what do we take and what do we leave behind? And I remember that. And you know what? I actually <clears throat> find more helpful is an evacuation in a hurry, because I remember we were evacuated from a potential fire when we lived in Albuquerque, and we grabbed baby stuff. You know, stuff to take care of the baby. Put the cat in a cat carrier, and you grabbed. Uh, a little server or a little data server because that was before they had clouds and drop boxes and stuff. So we had our, our data and our kids and our cat and what we needed just for that immediately. Yeah. Versus when we well, helped your parents evacuate from a potential fire, we had hours and hours. They were grabbing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like priorities got fuzzier the longer that we had. It was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Which shows that it's easier to make a quick decision oftentimes than it is to make a long decision. And overthink it. And overthink it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And, and part of it was there were thoughts like, hey, I wish I had taken care of this thing before. And sometimes when you have a crisis, it's already too late to make a change and to change your mind. And so sometimes it's, it's good to prioritize things before the crisis occurs rather than waiting till after it occurs. Setting things up, taking care of things, getting insurance in place, things of that nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. it's easy to let things ride. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, I know for us, we find ourselves taking care of the urgent rather than the important. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely going to dive into that, you know, and it it reminds me of when you had your heart attack, actually, and I had a a bunch of things on my schedule, a lot of commitments, and suddenly you were in the emergency room, and boom, all of a sudden my schedule was wide open because I dropped everything because I could see what a priority it was to be there for you in a life and death situation, so that's, that's what crises often call us to do is to evaluate our priorities and make some adjustments and it really often is a matter of what's important and what's not important and what's urgent and what's not urgent we know Stephen Covey talks about that what's urgent and what's important and so many things in our society I think with the technology and the digital age we get so many things kind of thrust upon us and they're very urgent they're they're in our inbox like right now we're getting texts we're getting calls we're getting you know and there's there's so much to take care of like you said it's really easy to let the things that are important ride so you get stuff that's urgent and unimportant you get stuff that's urgent and important you get stuff that's not urgent and not important stuff that's not urgent and important and what we find is when we focus on the things that are not urgent and are important actually things get easier so there's kind of like less fires to be putting out if we're making sure to devote the time and effort to things that are important and not waiting until they get urgent. You take care of it before it becomes a crisis. Yeah, which like I said, honestly, I'll just be honest, it's challenging. I don't even like going to the mailbox. There's so many <laughs> so many demands placed on my, you know, make a decision on this and on that and take care of this and take care of that. And it's, it's really easy to um, neglect the things that aren't in my face but are really important. And so I know we're going to be looking a little bit more at priorities and and stuff like that but just just to keep in mind that it's really easy to put off things that we shouldn't be putting off yeah so we're going to be heading into a break here in about a minute 
and we wanted to let you know you have the opportunity to call in. We would love to hear um, if maybe you stepped up and were able to help somebody in this uh, Oroville Dam crisis. And otherwise, if you're interested in taking a look at how you're impacting other people, we would love to be here for you and in conversation about that. You can call us here live at the studio at 866-576-1055. That's 866-576-1055. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some other things that are really important to prioritize, so you'll want to stay tuned. We're going into a break, so stay tuned. You're listening to the Impact Hour. What if the ladder you're climbing is leaning against the wrong wall? Is that bucket list getting bigger and bigger? Where are your passions hiding? You are here to create an authentically empowered life. There's nothing more fulfilling than living your life's purpose every day. Find your calling and live a legacy that lasts for generations. Start your journey today by scheduling your discovery session with John and Rena, hosts of the Impact Hour, every Wednesday on Money 105.5. Go to theimpacthour.com to schedule your complimentary session today. If you want a life rich in meaning, if you want to make a difference, join John and Rena for the Impact Hour every Wednesday afternoon at 2 on Money 105.5. Learn how to increase your life's impact. Unlock your potential and live with passion. It's all new. The Impact Hour with your hosts, John and Rena. Share your stories and become part of the journey. Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Money 105.5. Find John and Rena on Facebook at The Impact Hour. Welcome back to the Impact Hour. We're talking about life lessons from the from Lake Orville, from the Orville Dam crisis. Mm-hmm. We're talking about priorities, and one of the things we want to talk about, since this is generally a financial station, <laughs> that uh, might be good to talk about finances and crises and priorities involved in that. So one of the things that would be good to prioritize before the crisis occurs would be to get appropriate insurance. Once the crisis occurs, you cannot get the insurance. Don't. It just is the way it works. Okay, I've totally had that happen where I'm like, oh, I really wished I'd taken care of that insurance. Actually, your parents had their house fall down in the 89 earthquake, mm-hmm. and their insurance, earthquake insurance had lapsed a couple months before. Yes. And I know they had a lot of... Uh, a lot of regret around, I don't know if they could have gotten another insurance, but it's like, ooh, it's, sometimes it's just too late. Yes. 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 So, you know, sometimes people think, oh, you know, if, if we have trouble paying our house, then, you know, we'll just sell the house. But don't realize that, you know, if there's an economic crisis, you know, just selling your house might not be so simple. Right. And so, you know, waiting for the crisis to occur before you respond often is not an option preparedness is the key yes Mm -hmm. so we would always recommend folks to get out of debt when you're in a crisis and you are debt free with an emergency fund the experience is way different than if you have lots of payments on debt so we recommend having insurance having your debt paid off and having a three to six month emergency fund And that makes the crisis so much different. Instead of having a financial crisis and a whatever else crisis you're having, (laughs) you just have this other crisis to take care of and you're already on sure footing financially. 
Yeah, you know, we, John and I have been through Dave Ramsey's financial counselor training. We had a financial coaching business for several years and uh, really big proponents, like John said, of getting out of debt and building up an emergency fund. And, and I've done it both ways. You know, we've done it, done it both ways, seeing what it's like to um, have plenty of debt and no cash saved up for an emergency. It's really stressful if things like at work start looking a little shaky that's stressful because it's mm. like not only how am I going to make my monthly payments I've also got this debt on top of it so we went nuts and, and paid off all of our debt and saved up we had it over six months of emergency fund you know expenses to cover and it was an entirely different experience a sense of peace and like you say, when those crises would roll in, it wasn't nearly as taxing as having the crisis to deal with and the financial stress. And it was a tremendously different experience. And I just recommend for you listeners to try it out. Go nuts. Pay try off your debt. Pay off your debt. Have your money saved up for emergencies. And if you don't like it, you can always spend down the emergency fund and get back into debt. But I think you'll really like it. <laughs> <laughs> and you just can't know until you try it out. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah. So that was my experience around being debt-free. Love that. Talking about priorities, we wanted to talk a little bit about relationships and the importance of prioritizing uh, relationships in our life. Because just like anything else, that's easy to let ride. You know, not, not getting that insurance, you know, not taking care of this or taking care of that. Relationships, you know, like people are there. Do I need to deal with this now? Or, you know, maybe I'll deal with it later. So, for example, there may be things that you have left unsaid in a relationship. Maybe stuff that you really appreciate about the person, a thank you, letting them know how much you love and value them. And that's not something to leave unsaid. That's really something to set as a priority to express those things and not let those important things remain unsaid. So relationships require effort to maintain. Okay, so we don't get to just have relationships and have them exist. It, we need to be very deliberate about them. So relationships take time to invest in them and effort and commitment because it's an ongoing choice. Like with so many things that, that we're talking about, it's an ongoing choice. It's a series of choices. And recently I had a coach mention to me that conversations without structure tend to go away. And what that means is if we don't have like a regular time to get together or connect with a person, that relationship will tend to fade away. And I know in my own life, I've got several people I connect with on a weekly basis on the phone because I value their relationships and connecting with them. And I'm able to do that on a regular basis because it's scheduled in. So that's the deliberate nature about um, building and sustaining relationships, we have to set it as a priority and not just let it ride. Yeah. And if there's, you know, stress or conflict in the relationship, you know, just not talking about it and hoping it goes away is not a great solution either. I, I found it doesn't really work very good. Yeah. The, the going away part seems to not happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, no, no, it really doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of setting priorities, we'd also be remiss if we didn't talk about prioritizing um, your living your calling and living your purpose, because that's what this show is all about. 
and it may seem like it's not a great time to do some some exploration in that area and we found that it almost never looks like a good time that there is always something when was the last time you were able to stop and look around and go man there's been nothing major to happen over the last six months it's been smooth sailing yeah it just doesn't happen yeah and and if there if it is mostly smooth sailing we seem to find something (laughs) that aggravates us that draws our attention oh we got to take care of this thing before i get into this other thing yeah and and what i've discovered is that you do not want to wait until the very end of your life to figure out what you wanted to spend it on and what was important to you what you wanted to make your life all about because by then it is too late and we all have a need for significance right we want to know that our life matters that our being here mattered to other people and that's going to begin it require again being deliberate and and effort and prioritizing it above other things that are going to come out more urgent right because yeah. what you're talking about is not urgent no it's not urgent it's that's the hard part yeah you know? but there's no worse feeling than regretting the way you lived your whole life as you know from your experience of having your heart attack yeah and you found yourself asking <clears throat> if you'd love people well and if your life mattered and you're lucky that you got the do-over yeah so many people are going to be asking them solves those questions at the end and they won't have a chance to do it again right yes mm-hmm. so wanted to talk about setting up support so John you received the call from your sister right mm-hmm. yes she called you up in need and I love that she knew that she could call us for support right and we already had that relationship established Mm-hmm. So when the phone rang and she expressed a need, boom, it was it was an easy decision. Yeah. We just had to figure out how to make it happen. Yeah. Then it was just problem solving from that yeah. point. Right. And just like all these other things we're talking about, you don't want to wait until a crisis happens to build up some support for yourself because support isn't necessarily something that you can build up really quickly. A lot of times it's based on relationships. And there's different kinds of support. This is my own observation because I call on different people for different things. So there's some, you know, simple physical support like getting rides because I don't drive. I get rides, you know, to the doctor or to pick up pizza or, or whatever. And there's certain people I call on for that. And I have other people I call on for emotional support. So I find that there's some, some basic physical need type support, and then there's also the deeper emotional support for people from people who are really able to be present for me. It's really valuable because they're providing an outside perspective that helps me to better understand my situation. And they witness me, and they let me experience my feelings, and oftentimes say, yeah, I totally get it. And, and that's tremendously valuable. That's a really great form of support that, you know, when you're in a crisis, it's, it's going to be hard to build on that. And um, just went through something challenging lately. And <laughs> I was thinking about the dam and how they hadn't really had a chance to test that auxiliary spillway because, like, the dam had never been that full before, right? right? So they hadn't tested. Well, I put my support system to the test lately, and, and it really passed well. I just <laughs> have some wonderful people in my life to support me when I'm having a difficult time, and I'm really grateful for that. And I, 
encourage you listeners to really evaluate for yourself, do you have adequate support in your life? Are there people that you can call on? Who can you call at 2 a.m.? I've had to do that. Who can you call at 2 a.m. during a crisis? And if that's something that you need to build for yourself, make it a priority. You can call on friends, just have an open conversation, you know, if something happened, would it be okay for me to call you? You know, there's um, neighbors and family, folks at church and community groups. You may need to be more deliberate about deepening and expanding those relationships so that those people can support you. And this is something important for guys as well. So we talk about emotional support. I, I've discovered that guys have emotions too, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, it's important to have that kind of support. And even if it's just another man to, who's been down the road before who can speak into your life and be there as a support to help you process what's going on, that's pretty critical. Mm-hmm. So like you belong to a, a men's Bible study group, mm -hmm. and those are folks that you meet with on, on a weekly basis, and that, that's at least a structure, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And an opportunity. And being deliberate may involve getting out get together with, with somebody outside of a group setting right. to further deepen and expand yes. that relationship. And we acknowledge that not everybody is, is somebody for you to share with deeply. And, and that's okay. Not everybody can be available for that level of support, but you may need to be more deliberate about cultivating um, the support that you need. So on the flip side of that is being a support. Are you the kind of person that people can call in a crisis? Who are you willing to accept calls from at 2 a.m. when they're a crisis, in a crisis? And it has a lot to do with how you're showing up in the relationship. Are you available for people? Are you um, showing interest in them? Are you offering to help? Are you asking them how it's going? Because if you never go there in the relationship, if you're never asking how it's going, you know, how would they even know that you're the kind of person um, that they can call on? Yeah, that's a, a pretty deep, statement there and we could probably spend a whole show on how we're being with people in relationships but uh, just on the surface you know just think about what kind of person do you need to be where they would think to call you when they're in a crisis mm -hmm. yeah i would say it's it's about being really interested in the person not being distracted but being present being available expressing concern you know, this is, you know, as opposed to being self-absorbed, only talking about yourself, being distracted, letting there be a phone in front of your face. And that's really going to discourage people from reaching out to you for support. So this is your opportunity to evaluate for yourself what kind of support you want to be to other people in your life. Now, on that note, we're going to head into a break. I want you to stay tuned because we're going to be looking at a different facet of support, which is, are you supportable? Are you the kind of person that other people can support? So it's going to be a really interesting conversation. You can still call into the show, talk to us about being a support to people and what kind of impact you're having. You can call us live at 866-576-1055. So would love for you to stay tuned. You're listening to the Impact Hour.
Hi, it's Kitty, and you know by now that my favorite dealership is Lexus of Sacramento, and one of the things I love about the dealership is their service department. They're open at 7.30 a.m. Monday through Friday and 8.30 a.m. on Saturday. And best of all, if your service is going to take four hours or more, Lexus of Sacramento provides you a free courtesy vehicle. On top of that, they'll wash and vacuum your car before they return it. I like it. You'll like it. There's a lot to like at Lexus of Sacramento. Schedule your service online at LexusofSacramento.com. This is David Davenport of the Hoover Institution for townhall.com. Not since the days of Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal under the pressures of the Great Depression have we seen an opening presidential act like Donald Trump's. We've sent special forces to Yemen, left the Trans-Pacific Trade Agreement, reopened major pipeline projects, nominated a Supreme Court justice, and changed the rules of immigration. At least one of his executive orders on travel is likely on its way to the Supreme Court. We've seen strange scenes, Democrats holding a Senate sleepover to oppose a cabinet nominee, followed by the vice president showing up to break a tie vote. We have praised old enemies and insulted allies. Wow. How do we account for this presidential flurry of activity? Some think Trump likes to create distractions, overwhelming the media and the government. Perhaps it's his businessman's inclination to tackle several things at once. But clearly, both the media and the government will need to adjust to a new pace and style. If people want to change in Washington, they are certainly getting it. I'm David Davenport. Business decisions can be daunting. A.L. Harvey Law is here to assist you with everyday transactional and litigation needs, from choosing between a corporation or an LLC to creating and negotiating contracts, handling employee disputes, employee handbooks, and wage questions, all the way through partnership dissolutions and buying out a shareholder. A.L. Harvey Law cares about providing you with exceptional service so you can relax and get to business. Go to alharveylaw.com or call 530-217-3500. I'm Pat Barr. I'm Don Padilla, financial advisors with Wells Fargo Advisors in Sacramento. Pat, since the market crash in 2008, I've observed that too many investors are unsuccessfully trying to time the market. They don't want to lose. They're waiting for the perfect time to invest, which never seems to come. Yeah, they're stuck on the sidelines, wasting opportunity. If you find yourself in that position, please call us at 916-275-8100. That's 916-275-8100. Wells Fargo Advisors, LLC, member SIPC, is a registered broker-dealer and a separate non-bank affiliate of Wells Fargo & Company. Capital City Solar can make obtaining solar easy, and right now you can take advantage of their zero-down, zero-out-of-pocket cost program. You will be cash flow positive every month. Capital City Solar is a SunPower Elite dealer. SunPower panels are the most efficient panels available with the industry's best combined power and product warranty. For the best value, the best warranty, and the best customer service, go to CapitalCitySolar.com. Then call 782-3333 for your free solar analysis. What if the ladder you're climbing is leaning against the wrong wall? Is that bucket list getting bigger and bigger? Where are your passions hiding? You are here to create an authentically empowered life. There's nothing more fulfilling than living your life's purpose every day. Find your calling and live a legacy that lasts for generations. Start your journey today by scheduling your discovery session with John and Rena, hosts of the Impact Hour, every Wednesday on Money 105.5. Go to theimpacthour.com to schedule your complimentary session today. If you want a life rich in meaning, if you want to make a difference, join John and Rena for the Impact Hour every Wednesday afternoon at 2 on Money 105.5. Learn how to increase your life's impact. Unlock your potential and live with passion. It's all new. The Impact Hour with your hosts, John and Rena. Share your stories and become part of the journey. Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Money 105.5. Find John and Rena on Facebook at The Impact Hour. 
Hello, welcome back to the Impact Hour. We are very glad that you've joined us. Today we're talking about life lessons from the Oroville Dam. And, you know, something major can come along in life and you can take a look and glean some really valuable lessons. So that's what we're doing today. Right now we're going to talk about being, uh, I just talked about getting support and being supported and or being the kind of person who provides support and I wanted to look at this interesting idea of being unsupportable and what that looks like I thought of this in dealing um, my sister-in-law came down uh, they brought the motor home they brought their pets and the two cats were in separate cat carriers and that wasn't going to do for the night that's not what we wanted for them for the night anyways and so I have a a big soft-sided dog kennel and I brought that out and we put a litter box in it and food and, and water and she put the first kitty in there he was totally fine with it second kitty was a, it was an explosion <laughs> his name is mink and mink is normally not you know super friendly and um, he was very very stressed um, by the move, by by everything, the trip, everything, I'm sure. And he just went off and absolutely attacked the other cat and then attacked John's sister. And um, we, she got him out and back into the cat carrier. And, and he had to spend the night in that before we finally got him set up in our, in our bathroom upstairs. And um, it really... It was very interesting because we wanted to provide him all the support that he needed, but he was not supportable in that minute, in that moment. So what it looks like when we in our own lives are being unsupported might look pretty different than that cat. <laughs> or not. Or not. <laughs> uh, it may just be that we're just too busy, that people aren't able to give us the support that we need or that we could really benefit from because we're busy um, working overtime, running from one activity to another, got too much going on, too many obligations, and too many things we've opted into, and we're just not available to be supported. Similarly, I've seen people really withdraw. In their greatest time of need, they pull back, and it becomes impossible to support them. First time I'd he even heard this term, unsupportable, I was at an event, and a participant's um, lunch wasn't wasn't provided well so that her nutritional needs that she had, whatever, I don't know if it's an allergy, something along that, those lines, uh, she didn't have what she needed. And um, it, it kind of triggered something in her and she was just having a very difficult time. And someone asked her if she was okay and she's like, you know, I just need to leave. And they brought it up later and looked at it and said, you know, I asked if you were okay and you said you needed to leave. In that moment, you were unsupportable and I could not support you. And it's fascinating to see in our own lives, where are we withdrawing from the support that would actually be beneficial to us? And I've seen friends do this who have depression. I, maybe I did it for my, myself. I had depression for over 10 years. And it, see them spiraling into an episode and I'd be reaching out to them and they're not calling me back. You know, they, they, they won't get together anymore. They won't return phone calls. There's just this utter withdrawal, and it becomes impossible to support them. And then maybe it does look more like the cat. Maybe we're being unsupported because, unsupportable because we're being prickly or combative. 
Japan people can't really approach us and help us in that way. We're being unsupportable when we're being guarded. And when I say guarded, I mean that we're hiding what's going on in our lives. We're hiding our feelings. We're hiding how we're doing with it. So just by a lack of sharing with people, they can't support us if they don't know what's going on. And here's an interesting way that you could be unsupportable. If you feel that you already know it all, if you've got it, you know, like, I, I've got this, you know, or if, if you need to be right, like you've got all the right answers, it's impossible to provide support. So I encourage you to take a look at where you're kind of putting up the barriers and keeping people out from truly supporting you. And the internal side of being unsupportable, what that can look like is that we're telling ourselves stories around what other people are going to say or going to do. And it's probably tied to an experience we've had in the past. So it may be like, oh, you know, people don't love me. People reject will reject me. Uh, people don't really care about what I'm going through. See, you know, nobody's helping. <laughs> so it feeds into that because we're not allowing it. And we may be telling ourselves that, you know, we just need to muscle through this on our own. That's a story that, that we're creating and something that we're telling ourselves that will prevent us from getting the support we need. And maybe we're believing that it would be really weak if we needed to get help so that we effectively block people out and become unsupportable. So I encourage you, you know, we talked earlier about getting support. This is the, the other part. Please don't be like Mink the Cat, and please do be supportable so that people can bless you in that way. You would really deserve to have the support that you need. Yeah, and the really cool thing is you don't have to wait for a crisis to occur before you can open yourself and be supportable, but this can happen all throughout. And there's so many ways, you know, Rena and I have experienced getting support, and it's not a crisis, but it's just so helpful you know, go from just getting by to just sort of working out to, to being a lot more, you know, thriving and and having more vibrancy in our relationship and different things where we just get help and support along the way. Very good point. Another thing, don't wait until it's a crisis, you know, because that's going to be about developing relationships and your own skills for being okay. If you've been a person who has been, you know, not okay to really share yourself and be vulnerable, that'll need to be practiced and something that you try on and like a muscle to exercise and try a little bit and say, okay, it's okay with these people and go a little deeper and, and really build that kind of support. Yes, yes. definitely. Yes. So I went up to my sister's house to help them get their cats and vehicles and other valuables out of their house so it would be safe from any potential flooding. And as we were driving out, traffic, of course, was pretty bad. And noticed some behaviors with some folks. There was a lot of people cutting others off, not letting people in blocking the intersection so just in case it wasn't already <clears throat> bad during rush hour and some of the you know crazy like we've seen people like driving on the on the we call it on the shoulder, shoulder, shoulder of the road. road passing people on the right you know it's yeah. like people get even more stressed during an evacuation a crisis like that and people start getting pretty inconsiderate yes mm -hmm. yes and, and i know they're just scared yes that's good right good to realize where people are coming from very yes. good they're just scared but in in prioritizing 
themselves, when we prioritize ourselves over other people, it usually backfires on us. It usually doesn't work out. This isn't a me or you world. It is a me and you world. And our society really depends on us cooperating. If we don't cooperate, you know, we've seen some movies like that. Nobody's cooperating. Everybody's, you know, in it for themselves. And there's all this, nothing's working, basically. And our society doesn't work. It's not built on that kind of behavior. And specifically in traffic, if people would just, you know, go in one after the other, the traffic actually flows smoother. Mm -hmm. And you get out of there faster. Taking turns. I think I learned about that like in kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not to belittle people. We know they're scared. So (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love the compassion in that. That's a really great reminder for people. Yes. And so the idea here is it works better when you work for win-win or no deal. And this is one of the mindsets we talk about in our book, which is called Splash, Increase Your Life's Impact. We also talk about it. We have a couple shows on mindsets, and we have show recordings available at theimpacthour.com. If you want to listen to any previous shows, that's a great resource. Yes. One of the things to be aware of is when we behave a certain way now in a certain situation, that the results from that behavior isn't just for now, that that affects how things go in the future, that an incident usually isn't isolated that there's future consequences for how we behave today. So if I hurt your feelings, that may affect me a long ways down the road. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. And so the choices to to certain behaviors is not just a choice for just now. It has long-term consequences. And so we need to be aware of how we might or others might be experiencing us. I love that inquiry. You know, I'm really a stand for waking people up to their impact. And one of part of that is just for us to continually ask ourselves, how are people experiencing me? What's it like being in relationship with me? Am I the kind of person somebody would even want to be in a relationship with? You know, and really getting that outer perspective is great feedback for us for making adjustments for being the kind of person uh, that people want to be in relationship with. You want to take us into a break? Yep. We're about to go to a break here, and we will be right back. What if the ladder you're climbing is leaning against the wrong wall? Is that bucket list getting bigger and bigger? Where are your passions hiding? You are here to create an authentically empowered life. There's nothing more fulfilling than living your life's purpose every day. Find your calling and live a legacy that lasts for generations. Start your journey today by scheduling your discovery session with John and Rena, hosts of the Impact Hour, every Wednesday on Money 105.5. Go to theimpacthour.com to schedule your complimentary session today. If you want a life rich in meaning, if you want to make a difference, join John and Rena for the Impact Hour every Wednesday afternoon at 2 on Money 105.5. Learn how to increase your life's impact. Unlock your potential and live with passion. It's all new. The Impact Hour with your hosts, John and Rena. Share your stories and become part of the journey. Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Money 105.5. Find John and Rena on Facebook at The Impact Hour. Welcome back to the Impact Hour. We've been talking about life lessons from the Orville Dam. And we've been talking about a smattering of different things because there's oftentimes different lessons that we can learn from it. And uh, one of the things that happened is uh, on our trip back from my sister's place when I was helping them evacuate, 
is we decided to take some of the side roads, the back roads back because the highway was pretty, pretty backed up. And so we went out and uh, took some roads and then got to a spot where there was some flooding from pre previous rains. It wasn't related to the Orville Dam at all, at least not that we're aware of. Um, and we had to backtrack for a bit and then we went down uh, other ways and then there was more flooding and we kind of stopped and and waited a while and tried to figure out what do we want to do because we could have gone all the way back where we, we got off originally and have to go back into all that traffic. Uh, but in the meantime, we saw some folks drive by the place where there was flooding and they drove through and they never came back. <laughs> Which thought, is actually a good thing. That sounds scary, but yeah. it was actually a good yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, right. It's not, yeah. <laughs> and they didn't, they didn't like fall into the, <laughs> to the water. And, and, They're yeah. like, oh, they must have made it through. Yeah, we, we figured they made it through. <laughs> yes. Um, and so we decided to go that way and, and we ended up out. It still took a long time. And uh, there's some lessons from this whole experience. And one of the things uh, is this, if you do what everyone else is doing, you will get what everyone else is getting. So if you stayed on Highway 65, you would have gotten gridlock. Yes, yes. would have gotten gridlock. And that, that's, that's the <clears throat> basic application, but you're saying in life. In life. In life. Everyone else is doing, what is everyone else doing? So everyone else, uh, what we notice mostly is people focusing very much on success, which might be an increased lifestyle or increased status or they're taking the path of least resistance and least risk. And those are the two main predominant things we see people doing in life. Which is interesting because they're actually pretty different. I mean, in, in a sense, the um, going for more success, more money, more lifestyle, it, there's, there's resistance. It takes a lot of effort, but everybody's already doing it. So it's kind of easier to go along with that flow right. than to you know, choose significance in, in maybe a different route. Yes. And the path of least resistance. Well, that's just the easy thing to do. That's right. Yeah. Whatever's easy, that's what we go with. Right. Yeah. So it would have been an, it would have been easy. It would have been the path of least resistance just to stay in traffic. Mm -hmm. And we could have done that. Yeah. You were adventurous. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so it actually took us still a while to get out to where we were going. Um, but it felt better because we weren't stuck in traffic. But you were still moving at least. <laughs> at least yeah. we were still moving at a, at a pretty good rate. Yeah, yeah. that's an interesting analogy, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that leads to uh, when, you're, when you're at a crossroads in your life, you just have to make a decision on what you know at the time. Now, I can get caught up in indecision, trying to get more and more information. And I know there's a lot of you out there probably can relate to that. But I have learned and I'm still learning that you just go with what you know and just don't worry about whether it might be the wrong choice. Mm -hmm. It's uh, you just go with what you know and, and don't worry about that. That's better than indecision and staying stuck. Yes. Because right? at least you can pivot. If you're in motion, you can like change direction. But yeah. if you're just standing still, it's really hard to change direction. Yeah. If you're in a car and you're stopped, turning the wheel doesn't really change your direction at all. No. But if you're in motion, it, it goes. And I, I'm familiar <clears throat> with the rapid learning, rapid fire learning, you know, you try something, didn't work, try something, you know, try something else, you know, it's pivot, it's finding what does work and, and, and going from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. And when you take the road less traveled, you go off on your own and you're, you're going on your adventure, it does not eliminate challenges. We've learned there is no magic bullet. There's no shortcut that makes things magically easy. It's still a journey. And so we take the side path, not because it's easier, but because in life it's more loving, it's more meaningful, it's more significant, and it feels better.
So what we encourage people to do to really make a significant difference in the lives of other people, it really is the road less traveled. Yes. But it, it's, it's very gratifying, and that's what provides meaning and significance and satisfaction that we're looking for. Yes. Awesome. Next, we're going to look at making hard choices. The water officials, I did not envy them their position. The folks who had to decide to evacuate 180,000 people, you know, that's a, that's a really heavy burden. And the lesson that I got from that is when we need to make a decision in life, we need to go with really what's best, not what's going to make us look good, not what's going to be popular with other people. Making the hard choices is about having strong, good character and doing the right thing even when it's uncomfortable. And of course, we apply this to making a difference in people's lives. And sometimes, sometimes we have to make choices that are best for us, but they're really uncomfortable and difficult. It might be around relationships and um, addressing conflict, even when it's uncomfortable to better the relationship. It might be about leaving a job that we hate because it's sucking the life out of us. That's a hard choice. And the reason, honestly, that I found that it's not so much that that one choice is hard, it may be. What I find is really challenging is all the follow-up to make it happen and dealing with it afterward. It's just a simple thing like you want to refinance your house. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so choosing to leave a job is a lot of persistent effort. And it's about making the right choice on what's the best thing to do, even when it's difficult. Yeah. Definitely want to emphasize that, that character part, that, you know, one one aspect of great character is in making the right choice, even when it's not comfortable and not popular. Yep. Yep. That's the hard part right there. I think we call that badass. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yes. Be a badass. That's right. <laughs> So one of the things we wanted to highlight, too, is that um, things are in a system. We've talked about this before on this show, but uh, we noticed that uh, there was a place south of Sacramento, and they were evacuated uh, a while after. And we're like, whoa, what's going on there? Why are they being evacuated? And and their their levees were, were being overflowed and flowing over mm -hmm. and uh, we don't know for sure we're not experts but we suspect that the extra water flowing out of Orville Dam was affecting them down there way down past <clears throat> Sacramento it's it's all a system and the the choices that we make affect a lot of different people and a lot of different things so good to be aware of the systems that we're intervening in and and what's interrelated Yes. Yeah. And so everything is connected. We, we like to look at the world as distinct things, but things are so interconnected. Things we do here affect things over there. We solve a problem here only to have uh, experience unintended consequences over there. It's, uh, it's all interconnected. And we do so much better to solve problems when we look at it from a systems point of view rather than, oh, I'm just going to fix this right here. And so that's, that's one of the things that, that we, we heavily teach as well. To be aware of systems, yeah. yes. And of course, we, we keep coming back to the relationship things because that's so important. And relationships are systems too. So what you get back from a person might be because that's in response to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's all in a system. 
relationships are just such such a system, right? What I do over here totally affects you, which totally affects me, which totally affects you. And, you know, it, it builds on each other. And then sometimes we're not even aware of, that's why we're kind of getting into the subtleties of how you're showing up. How are you being? Where are you coming from? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Because that will have an effect on a person, which will in effect affect you back. Yes. So one question it's really great to ask is how have I contributed to this situation? In a now, relationship? In a relationship. Yeah. Or even outside the relationship, but sure. especially in relationships. And a lot of people don't like that. It's like, <laughs> oh, but it's their fault. They're, they, it's their thing. And, you know, if they only didn't do that, then I would be. And, and, and the truth is that in almost all cases, we have contributed to the very problem we're complaining about. And that's good news because it also gives us the power to change it. We're not waiting for the other person to change them. We can change how we're being with them, and that will change the dynamic in the relationship. It really is a powerful position. And I kind of have this kind of internal reaction against um, people who say, oh, you manifested this in your life. You caused this to happen. So I kind of tweaked it to help it work for me. Um, maybe I'll be able to, you know, elevate to that perspective. But I can at least ask, how did I contribute to this? So if it's a situation at work, cool. How did I contribute to that? It, if it's something in a relationship, what did I do? What did I contribute? How did I contribute to creating that? It's, a, it's an excellent inquiry to have. Yeah, it's very helpful. It, it leads to all kinds of amazing answers. And, and breakthroughs. And breakthroughs in relationships. And it's like, oh, wow, you know, I'm contributing this way. And if I just change the way I interact this way and just make a tweak over here, and then, then it totally changes their response. And it's, it's such a great, great inquiry. So check it out. Yeah, that was an awesome show. I love looking at the lessons that we get from the Oroville Dam and trust that you all listeners gain some benefit from that. Hope you're going to look at things like priorities and, and getting going on your life's purpose and being supportable and um, all the lessons that we had for us today. If you missed part of the show or any other show, you can listen at theimpacthour.com. We thank you for listening and look forward to joining you again next week. Thank you.